This sermon is brought to you by Shofar East London. Together, living out the fullness of Christ. We hope you enjoy this message. Is there somebody in this world that you sort of look up to and you say, man, if I can just be like that person. And then if you say, right, I want to be like somebody, do you have a plan to become more like that somebody? Because I've discovered that the key, one of the keys for real success in life, biblical definition of success, not worldly definition of success, is you need to become like someone, a specific someone. So when I um, became a believer at the age of 18, I was a mess. My mind was a mess. My life was a mess. And uh, I met Sonica, my wife, um, and we were just friends. And she was a believer for about five, six years already at that time. And she was way out before ahead of me in terms of her growth in God. And so at that time, when I became a believer, I did not qualify to date her. Because she actually had standards. And I did not measure up. And she shared with me later, but... As we were friends, and she was just sometimes just shaking her head at the stuff I did. You know, we were like a missions team thing, and oh, I just had to apologize to the team of all the stuff I, all the ways I stuffed up. And um, and she shared with me later that as she was shaking her head at some point about all the things I was getting up to, she felt God speak to her heart and say to her, just give him time. So she didn't know she's going to marry me. She didn't know we we're going to be together. But, but I needed a bit of time. But I, f- I fell in love with Jesus. Although I was so messed up and all issues and bad habits in my life. And, you know, I had no idea what it means to really follow Jesus. So there were so many things that needed to, to change. And so as I started, as I, as I fell in love with God, I fell in love with his word. And I fell in love with prayer in the sense of just fellowshipping with God and being with him. And so I committed myself to these holy habits of daily seeking the face of God, daily being in the word. And I remember even my second year, you know, we were driving to Tanzania, 20 of us, 10, 20 students. And as we were driving back, it took us about 10 days or something to drive. It was just really slow driving. The pastor, the Chuck was really sad. And I was just like, I was just, the scriptures were open. I was just consuming the word of God. And although I was a mess, over time, day in and day out, pursuing God, embracing the word, fellowshipping with God, I changed. I became a little bit more like Jesus. Obviously, I haven't arrived, will never arrive. It's a lifelong journey, becoming more like God But I changed because I embraced a certain process of a a daily habit of seeking the face of God. And when you come from a quite a messed up background, you know, the the journey isn't like a straight line growing. It's like, (laughs) you know, I failed so many times and I often was so, you know, despondent. Like I'm not growing. I'm not moving forward. Why am I still struggling with this nonsense in my life? And so I want to encourage you. Maybe you feel sometimes, oh, this is hard. But I tell you, if you commit just to the the things I'm going to share with you about today, holy habits, day in and day out, you're going to change. And so who 
should we aim at to become like? If the pastor asks you a question, shout, Jesus! Okay? So Jesus is our example. Jesus is the one we want to be like because he's the ultimate. He's the ultimate. I mean, he's God who became flesh. He reveals to us what it looks like to become like God. And that means freedom. That means you become the real you. The, the man or the woman you are destined to become. Okay, so I know many of us have unhealthy habits in our lives. And I want to help us today how to shift from unhealthy habits to more better habits. So I was listening to a podcast by Craig Rochelle about, um, about habits. And I've been reading a book called Atomic Habits. And so I'm going to touch on some of those things I, I learned there as well. Okay, but our mission as believers is to become more like Jesus. But then we need to embrace these certain habits. So holy men and holy women of God, they consistently do what others only do occasionally. High-impact people, leaders, people who truly become like God, they consistently do what others only do occasionally. This is how it works. So some people say, hey, I pick up the Bible every now and again and I read a few verses. Well, you're probably not going to become all you're destined to be. And then there are others that just do it faithfully day in and day out. Holy habits, holy habits. And you see significant change in their lives. So I want to motivate you and encourage you and give you a few keys as well to consistently do embrace these holy habits. Okay, so last week I shared this verse, Psalm 102 verse 13, which I believe is a word for us as a church. When I read it over the holidays, it just jumped out at me and I just felt this is for you. It says, you will arise and have mercy on Zion. Mercy on Shofar East London. For the time to favor her, yes, the set time has come. Okay, so I shared about Joshua last week. In Joshua chapter 1, he was standing at the Jordan River. They were about to go into the promised land. They were 40 years in the wilderness just going in circles, going nowhere, not moving forward. Maybe some of us feel like it. My life isn't moving forward. I'm not... Seeing the things I've been trusting God for. I'm not seeing the promises of God being fulfilled. It just feels like I'm, it's not happening. But I tell you, when you just keep on standing faithful day in and day out, leaning into the Lord saying, God, my trust is in you. I hope in you. I tell you, there's a time that comes. It's called the set time. The set time as it was for Joshua and the Israelites. The set time came and it was time to take the land. It was time to take the promised land. And they did. After 40 years, the set time came. I feel this is a word for us. I want to speak this, prophesy this over your life, that the set time has come. Amen. And so I, I'm really excited. This, just this week, a bunch of stuff fell into place that uh, I believe is going to be significant for this year. So on the 11th to the 13th of March, we're doing an, an open heavens prophetic conference. So we had a healing weekend last term and it rocked my life. And so we're doing this time a prophetic focus. We have some incredible prophetic speakers coming and we're going to 
pursue the Lord. It's called open heavens. And starting next week, Sunday, I'm going to be sharing about slaying dragons. But part of this next six, seven weeks is that we are going to take our land. So we're going to equip the saints of how to fight in the spirit. And for the first time in 13 years, 12, 13 years that we've been in Islam, we're going to, instead of just praying and worshiping here, we're going to go out. We're going to march around a few schools, businesses, communities, prayer drives. We're going to take our land. We're going to trust God for an open heavens. And then we're going to have an open heavens prophetic conference. It's going to rock your world. Amen. Okay. I really feel the hand of God is on this. And the one prophetic guy that I connected with, he couldn't come. And now his trip to Israel has moved the week on. So it's, uh, it's just going to be so good. So good. God, it's a set time. It's a time for God to move us into taking our land. So I, don't, I know some of us, you might be struggling. You might, I'm in the wilderness. I'm struggling. I'm in a storm. I don't know how to, I just, I just want to tell you, when you keep on standing in the storm and you apply some of the things I'm going to share with you today, there will come a set time and God will move. Well, everything's going to come together. Amen. Come on, say set time. Set time. The time has come. So we're going to share, I'll share more things in the next week or two to, uh, Share with you what's coming. Okay, so Joshua 1 verse 8, our verse from last week. We're going to unpack it a bit more today. It says, keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Then if you do these three things, the word of God in your mouth in your heart and in your actions, the result is you're going to prosper in a biblical sense. You're going to be successful in a biblical sense. And but but the, the, the key there is then. In other words, if there's no then before, if there's nothing before the then, it's not going to happen. So you need to, and then you you and I need to answer this question: How can I make the Word of God the central part of my life? How can I make the word of God the center of my life? You need to answer that question. I need to answer the question. It's going to look different for all of us, but it must happen. If you want to become the person God has called you to be. Amen. Okay, so let's unpack it. Let's see how we can can practically do this. I'm going to take us to Psalm 119. Psalm 119. And we're going to start at verse 1. And unpack it. Then we're going to go to verse 2. And we're going to unpack it. And then we're going to go to verse 3. You see, some of you don't know that Psalm 119 is the longest chapter in the Bible. It's like 160 plus verses. So we're just going to go slowly through each and every verse. So just send messages to everybody saying, you're seeing them tomorrow. It's going to be all day. We're going to be the whole day. Amen. Okay, now don't worry. Don't worry. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna go quickly. Okay, but we're going to unpack Psalm 119, go back to the book of Joshua, and highlight the power, the excellencies of the Word of God. The Psalm 119 is all, it's like 160-something verses of the excellencies of the Word of God, the beauty of the Word of God. It's like a song, a celebration of how wonderful the Word of God is. Amen. So let me pray, and then we're going to unpack it. Father... 
Thank you, Lord, for your life and blessing. Thank you, Lord, that your word is alive and it will not return void. We pray that every one of us will be engaged today and to hear what you are speaking to each one. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so before we get into the, those three aspects of Joshua 1, why the word? Because you need, you need to answer the question. Because some of us feel our words, it's important, but we don't have a revelation of why the word of God is so powerful. So last week I shared three things. This week I want to share three things. Number one, the word of God is a treasure. It's like a treasure. So Psalm 119 verse 72. It says, truth from your mouth means more to me than striking it rich in a gold mine. Lord, your truth, your word from your mouth, your word means more to me than striking it rich in a gold mine. Now, I'm sure some of us would like, like a nice, nice brick of gold. That would be fun to have a brick of gold to, you know, so many people in our world are like, oh, I want to be rich. We want to like have a lot of money. I mean, obviously it'd be nice to have mansions and everything else. Awesome. But this says there's something better than physical money. Better than having a chest full of gold. The word. You see, I brought a Bible today. I don't often do this to bring a physical Bible. This is a nice, thick one. Sometimes you need to bring out a big Bible to just hit the devil over the head. But I tell you, this book... It is a treasure chest. It is a gold mine. And there's hidden treasure in these pages. But you need to believe it. You need to know it. You need to approach the word of God like there's treasure in here. And I'm going to find it. Every every person that, you know, treasure hunting person, treasure digging person knows you need to dig you need to get your hands in a sense dirty. You need to put in some effort to get below the surface so you can see it. So many of us are just skimming the surface and we're finding nothing. You need to go below the surface where you start to hear the voice of God for you. It's a treasure. Come on, say it. It's a treasure. It's a gold mine. Truth from your mouth means more to me than striking in a gold mine. So you and I need to value the word of God if we're going to find the treasure. Verse 1 to 7, it says, truly, I love your commands more than gold. Even the finest gold. Are you seeing it? It's not like... Oh, I need to like obey God. It's like, Lord, I am looking for ways that I can obey your word because I know it leads to life and blessing. It leads to freedom. Okay, so the first one, it's a treasure. It's a gold mine. Number two, the word of God. Through the word of God, we discover who God is. I mean, if you love Jesus, which I'm sure most of us do, you're like... I want to know him. And when you get into the word, it reveals to you who God is. The word of God is like a painting. And there are brush strokes on this painting. All through scripture, from the start to the end, it paints a picture of who God is. 
So when you go to the Psalms, you get certain brush strokes of who God is. And then when you go to the book of Revelation, you discover another aspect of who God is. And then you go to the, to the, to the Gospels, the first four books of the New Testament, you, you, you discover more about who Jesus is. And together it paints. That's why you don't want to just read one part of the Bible. You want to read it all. Because it reveals to you who he is. Painting. Painting. So it says in, in verse 2 of Psalm 119, it says, Joyful are those who obey his laws and search for him with all their hearts. Seek him. Be hungry for God to know him. You'll find those treasures. You will see him. It will bring transformation to your life. Freedom, life and blessing. And then number three, you can stake your life on this book. This is not the opinions of man that change. This is not human culture that every 10 years it's something different. You can stake your life on this. It's like the mountains. The mountains. It's firm, it's solid, it's standing. You can stake your life. It is truth. Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will remain. Solid as the mountains is his word. Not as fickle as human opinion. Okay? And the verse that connects to this says there in verse 89, your eternal word, O Lord, stands Firm in heaven. It stands firm. If you're in a storm and your life feels up and down, find the word of God and you're going to stand firm. Amen? Come on, say it. I'm going to stand firm. Like the mountains. Okay, so let's break down Joshua 1 verse 8. Okay, so you got that. Uh, three, three reasons why you need to read the word of God. It's a treasure. It's a painting. It reveals who God is. It's like the mountains. It's firm. God's word stands firm. Okay, so Joshua 1 verse 8. It says, the one aspect says, be careful to do everything within it. Be careful. Like, check. How can I obey the word of God? Now, some of you might say, uh, there's a really funny command in the Old Testament. Should I do all of that? How should you interpret the scriptures? Well, here's a powerful principle. About, what, 70% of the Bible is the Old Testament. Maybe more. That's about that. Old Testament, Old Covenant. And then the this part is the New Covenant. So how should, what, what's the difference? How should we interpret it? Well, you have the Old Covenant And then you have Jesus appearing on the scene. And then you have the cross, the crucifixion, the death of Jesus, and the resurrection. And then the new covenant. Okay? So how do you interpret the Old Testament? You need to take the Old Testament and you need to bring it through the cross. And then you need to ask the question, how does the cross impact this Old Testament passage? So basically three ways. Just simplifying it, but three ways that the cross impacts the Old Testament. So one of the ways it impacts it, it fulfills it. So in the Old Testament, you were commanded to sacrifice animals as a blood sacrifice to cover your sins. Good news, you don't need to do that anymore. 
It was fulfilled in Jesus. Jesus is the Lamb of God that came to take away the sins of the world. So those Old Testament passages all point to Jesus. He fulfills it. And now we have the blood of Jesus that washes us clean. Okay? So it fulfills it. Then you have some other passages like, say, um, the Sabbath. Old Testament, the Sabbath. It was Friday night to Saturday night. New Testament, we find that because of Jesus' resurrection from the dead, the Sabbath has now moved to the first day of the week, Sunday. Resurrection day, the day that the saints gathered in the New Testament, reveals they move from Saturday to Sunday. That shift, okay? And it also reveals, obviously, the principle of rest and all of that. So it's still valid. So that's the one. Some, so some of the passages are changed because of the cross and the resurrection. Then thirdly, there are other commands that stay exactly the same, yet they get upgraded through the cross. For instance, the Ten Commandments. It says, thou shalt not commit adultery. New Testament, Jesus came and said, well, if you look at a person with lust in your heart, you've already committed adultery. So it's still valid. Don't commit adultery, but now it's upgraded. Don't even lust in your heart. It's a higher standard. Old Testament, it was murder. New Testament, even if you hate somebody, it's as good as murder. So Jesus upgraded it into a level, a standard that none of us can reach. Then you just love that. Why? Because we need him to be able to fulfill his commands. And the good news is when we fail, when we stumble, when we fall, he forgives us and he washes us clean through the blood of Jesus. Amen. Okay, so take the Old Testament, pull it through the cross and see what you get. Okay, amen. So you and I need to, according to Joshua 1.8, we need to get the word in our mouths, in our hearts, and in our actions. Now to give you a bit of context, a critical Holy habit context. Because you can think, some, I think sometimes we, we, we think this, like Joshua 1 verse 8. Imagine how Joshua says, okay, awesome. This is the verse for success and prosperity. So I'm going to walk off into the desert on my own, 500 kilometers away, and I'm going to speak the word, think about the word, and just do it there on my own somewhere, and I will be successful. The context is there's a whole nation. The context is there's an army. The army of God needs to take the land. The context is community. But there's so many people who think, if I just take a few verses on my little own somewhere in the corner, I'm going to be successful. It doesn't work like that. The context is always community. Either we take the land together or none of us do. Either we go out together and do battle to take our land or none of us take the land. So some people look at Christianity and they think it's like swimming, me in, and my, myself in the swimming pool. Or some think it's like gymnastics doing awesome moves on their own somewhere. It is actually a team sport. It is like rugby. It is like rugby. You can be the best passer, kicker, tackler in the world. Alone against 15 guys, you're going to lose. Amen? Team sport. You need to get it. That's the context of the whole scriptures. All of the, it's always assumed we're in community. It is always assumed we're together of the army. We're family of God, but we're also the army of God. Together. Okay, so don't miss that. 
our, our Western Christianity is so isolated. We think if I just do my own thing, I'm going to be fine. No, you need encouragement. You need prayer. We need to stand together if we are going to win. Christianity is a team sport. Then another cornerstone, holy habit. Before we get into the other practical things. You need to commit the first part of something to God if you want the rest blessed. Okay, let me explain. You need to commit the first part of something if you want the Lord to bless the rest. The principle all through scripture. So one example is this. What is the first day of the week? Monday? Sunday. So you need to commit the first part. You need to commit the Sunday unto God, and then he's going to bless the rest. So I told the first service guys this morning that they are especially doing very well because it's early in the morning that they have come to dedicate their week unto the Lord. But the first part, when we worship God together as believers in army, I tell you, when we worship together, we shift the atmosphere over the city. We really do. It's doing warfare. It's doing battle. It is enthroning Jesus over the city. And when we do that, it lights a fire on the inside of us. It shifts. It, it, it removes burdens off our shoulders. And it gives us momentum to take this week. Dedicate the first part and you're going to find that the rest is blessed. And you will find that those who consistently do this, they are set apart from those who do it occasionally. Consistently. Joining the saints in worship on Sundays. You will see a shift in your life. Another aspect would be, what about every day of the week? The first part. That first bit, first 30 minutes of the day. What if you and I would, every day we get up, we have a holy habit that the first part of the day is God's. You start in the word, you start on a prayer, you start on a worship, and then you will find that the Lord blesses the rest of the day. The first part. Commit the first part, and he blesses the rest. Do you want your day blessed? Start the first. The first. Come on, say the first. The first. Start the first part of every day, and the Lord will bless the rest. I have experienced this so many times. I'm sure if I tonight interview all of us, you will say the same. That day when you are too rushed to spend time with God, and you storm out, and you rush off, and then the day is a disaster. Not that the storms are so bad, minor issues, not even major issues. It just freaks you out. You lose your peace. You lose your joy. I've so many times experienced this. And then other days when I start it with him, that first part, I'm, I'm anchored in him, and I'm, his word fills me. Then massive storms can come. I'm like, cool as a cucumber. Me and Jesus, we got this. He lives on the inside of me. The first part, he blesses the rest. Okay, so that's some cornerstone holy habits. Sundays, consistently do this. Every day, consistently do this. You will be different from the average. You will be different from the ordinary. You will see over time as you commit to these holy habits, you are going to change. Amen? You are going to change. Okay, so do, do that. Just a bit of context for, for the bigger thing. Commit to the process of seeking God's face. And the results will take care of itself. 
the change will take care of itself. The success, the prosperity, the blessing will take care of itself. And now the power of habit is this. When, when it becomes a habit, you don't think about it. It's not like you get up in the morning like, what am I going to do? It's like my habit. I just thought it started with Jesus. I started with God. Sunday morning, you wake up and you're like, what am I going to do? The beach looks nice. The waves look good. It's like, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to consecrate the first part of my week unto Jesus so that he can be glorified and so that I can have a brilliant week. Honor the Lord. Amen. Habit is automatic. You're not thinking about it. It's just so you need to develop holy habits. They've done some studies. I think they said for most of us, 60% of our day, you don't even think about it. It's just habit. 60%. The way you drive, the what you do, your breakfast, all of it, 60%. So if 60% is bad habits, (laughs) it's going to go the wrong way. Okay, so let's develop holy habits. Right, so the second part of Joshua 1, meditate on it day and night. Why day and night? Meditate on it day and Why? Because you want to move the word of God from your head to your heart. Move from your head to your heart. You get the treasure when it's in the heart, not when it's in your head only. So you need to start. Transformation follows when the word gets into your heart. That's when change happens so verse 9 of psalm 119 it says how can a young person or any person stay pure by obeying your word how can you stay pure by obeying your word you see purity is freedom so when i became a believer there was a lot of bad habits and addictions and nonsense in my life it was a struggle just to sort of stay on track And the beauty of purity and over time developing holy habits is like, I am now free to follow God. I'm no longer bound by all these other things. A lack of purity is bondage. Purity is freedom. So how? How are we going to do this? How are we going to obey the Lord? Because you might say, oh, but I struggle to obey God. I'm struggling with these bad habits or addictions. Verse 11. It says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I love that. One of my favorite verses. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. God, I don't want to sin against you because I know that's just pain, unnecessary pain to me and everybody around me. God, I want to obey you. I want to follow you. So how, Lord, I've hidden your word in my heart. You see, it needs to go from your head to your heart. From your head to your heart. How do you do that? From the head to the heart. How do you move it? How do you move the, the word of God from your head to your heart? You need to sit on it. One thing. Just one thing. Don't try to do 20,000 things. Just one scripture. One thing. Let it speak to you. You chew on it. You ponder it. You pray it back to God. You speak it. You memorize it. Like this verse is a brilliant verse to meditate upon and to memorize. I've hidden your word in my heart, Lord, that I might not sin against you. I've hidden your word in my heart, Lord, that I might not sin against you. God, thank you that I'm here. I'm hiding your word in my heart, Lord, that I might not sin against you. That is how you overcome sin habits from the head to the heart. Verse 130, it says, the entrance of your words gives light. 
When that word breaks into your heart, it's like the lights come on. It's like, yes, I want to obey God. Yes, I want to follow him with everything within me. Like we sang this morning, no other name, just the name of Jesus. No double-mindedness, no confusion. Lord, I just want to worship you. And it says it gives understanding to the simple. That means it's for everybody, child, older person. It gives understanding to the simple. Okay, so this is the key. If you want to move it from your head to your heart, one thing. You need to take one thing and walk with it. So, for instance, this morning, right now, in this message, God is speaking to every one of us here and online. God is speaking and is probably speaking at least one thing to you personally, individually. So many times people come to me after service and say, you were speaking just to me. And then somebody else comes, you were speaking just to me. I'm like, no, 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 the Holy Spirit was speaking just to you. What's the one thing? See, that's why we need to engage differently. Don't just come listen to a message. That's nice. No, what's the one thing that God Almighty is speaking to you right now? Then you take it. You write it down. You take it. You chew up on it. You run with it because that's going to bring change. Or in your morning devotions, going through a a Bible plan or something. What is the one thing God speaks to you that morning? Well, then run with it that day or maybe that week. For instance, some of the scripture says, Lord, your word revives me. Another scripture says, Lord, your word gives me strength. How about sitting on that scripture the whole day? Man, you've got struggles. You've got challenges. But you say, God, your word revives me. Just say, you're driving your car. Lord, your word revives me. Lord, your word gives me strength. And as you proclaim it, as you sit on it, you will begin to find strength in your soul, strength in your heart to overcome. So you need to ask this question, God, what's the one thing? Read the scriptures until there's the one thing that speaks to you. And so we see this classic passage in Luke chapter 10. We have Martha and Mary. Jesus is in their house and Martha, bless her soul, she's distracted and busy. And she's all over the show. Okay, so for our context, there might be a few Marcus. A few Marcus that are like distracted and busy trying to make my work happen. The finances happen. My relationships happen. But in our own abilities. Running, busy. And so Mary sits at Jesus' feet. And then Martha comes, the Marku comes to Jesus and says, Jesus, this is wrong. I'm like working my... Then you're busy doing things and my sister is just lazy again. And I love how Jesus responds. Luke 10, 41, it says, the Lord answered her, Martha, my beloved Martha. So I want to say to all the Marthas and the Marcus, Jesus loves you. He really does. He understands. But some of us, we just struggle to stop. And then we, and we burn out. And sometimes we sell our souls to our careers, our jobs, and the pressures of life. Don't do it. He says, why are you upset and troubled? Pulled away by all these many distractions. Are they really that important? Jesus is saying, is it really that important? 
All the stuff that's distracting you and burdening you and causing you to run around like a headless chicken. Is that really worth it? Jesus is saying it isn't. And then verse 42, it says, Mary, he says now, but Mary has discovered the one thing. One thing most important by choosing to sit at my feet. She's undistracted and I won't take this privilege from her. She's undistracted and I won't take this privilege from her. Jesus commends her. Jesus says, Mary has chosen the one thing. Imagine Jesus coming to you and say, guys, one thing's needed. That, that, that's, that's like, you should listen now. One thing's needed. One thing is needed if you want to become a holy man or woman of God. One thing is needed to sit at his feet and to receive his word from him. One thing, it's a holy habit. Choose it. You can choose like Mary did. Choose it every day. So the one thing is a, it's like God gives you a seed. This morning, God is giving you a seed. In worship, he's giving you a seed. In this message, he's giving you a seed. Are you receiving it? A lot of us receive seeds, but we do nothing with it. So it's just a bunch of seeds. No germination, no growth, no light coming into your heart, no change. You need to take the one thing and you need to run with it. One thing. To ask this question to the Lord every day of your life. Lord, what are you saying to me today? Lord, what are you saying to me right now? And then you write that down and you Run with it. So quickly, studying the word tips. Here's a bunch of tips. Just want to mention them. And it answers the question, practically, how do you move from the head to the heart? You see, this is another profound principle. Every time you do the right thing, you cast a vote for who you're going to become. Every time you do the right thing, you're casting the vote to become a man of God. A woman of God. And every time you do the wrong thing, you get up in the morning, you ignore God, you ignore the word, and you storm off just going on. We've cast a vote. You've cast another vote of who you're going to become. Your habits will determine who you're going to be. I can look at your habits today and tell you who you're going to be five years from now. And I have found that those who consistently are in the word and in community, they change over time. They stand strong. They make it. Okay, so who are you going to be? Let's look at your habits. So how do we change our habits? Number one, start small. Start small. I'm sure all of us have done this at some point. I'm going to start jogging this year. And I'm going to go for it. So 10 Ks first day. And so 500 meters in. (gasps) I'm going to die. That's really painful. I'm never doing that again. <laughs> it doesn't work. You need to go slowly, a little bit, little bit. Walk around the house. That's day one. <laughs> I walked. New tackies on. I'm looking good, feeling good. That was so nice. Okay, so you feel motivated to continue. So how about when it comes to the word, start with five minutes. Start with ten minutes. Start with something, but do it consistently. So it was something small, something small, but then that small can become more. Small habits develop momentum for bigger habits. So don't fall for that thing like, oh, did you start massively? Just start small, okay? Don't die after 500 meters, okay? I warned you, don't die. Number two, if you want to develop holy habits, make it obvious. 
How do you make it obvious? Well, you have your Bible next to your bed and it's open. And it's calling to you. Every day when you walk into your room, you see the Bible. Read me. Read me. So it must be open next to your bed. When you wake up, that's the first thing you see. Read me. Okay? It must be obvious. It's the same with us men, ladies. There's dishes in the kitchen. Just leave it. We're going to see it. If not today, at least in three days, we're going to... We're going to see it. <laughs> we will see it. Okay, number three, one thing. As I said, do the one thing. What is God saying to you? One thing. Just one thing. One thing. One thing. Run with it. What if you run a whole week just with one, one scripture? One verse. A short verse. The whole week until it is yours. If you would do that every week within 52 weeks, you will have memorized 52 verses in the Bible. Wow. Small habits. One verse. Number four, partner with God in studying the scriptures. Partner with him. You see, Jesus, the Holy Spirit wrote the scriptures, so he's the best one to open it for you, to break it open to you. Pray and say, Lord, show me, teach me. So Psalm 119 verse 18 speaks about this. It says, open my eyes. Just go to the verse. Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. So pray. Say, Lord, I want to see the treasure. Open my eyes. I know there's treasure here. Open my eyes. You have to contend for what's hidden in the scriptures. Number five, start a Bible reading plan. Just start it. Consistent reading plan. Every day you have a little bit. If you miss a day, just continue. It's not the end of the world. Don't go oh, behind. Just do the next day again. And I said last week, the, just, it's a brilliant Bible reading plan by Nikki Gumbel. Bible in one year. Incredible commentary. That comes with the passages. So you can download the app on the Play Store or whatever store you on. Or you can, or you can go into the YouVersion Bible app and get it. You can choose the easy version, 10 minutes flat, or the longer version, 20, 25 minutes. But when I get to the Old Testament, I speed it up like genealogies and whatever else. <laughs> and then I realize Jesus knows us by name. He loves us. So holy habit number six, part of it, journal. Some of the guys are like, no ways. This yay mole. Write down one sentence of what you feel God is speaking to. Just one sentence. Just one, jot, jot down one sentence. So you can bring from the head to the heart. Otherwise you're going to forget, what has God spoken to you? And that one sentence will become a paragraph at some point. Number seven, then obey it. Evaluate your life. Okay, God, what, what, what needs to change in my life? As verse 59 says, I pondered the direction of my life and I turned to follow your laws. I pondered the direction. Ponder, evaluate continuously, make the necessary changes. Amen. And then Joshua 1, 8 also speaks about you need to keep the word in your mouth. So speak life. Get the word in your mouth. And then I want to end off by going to Joshua chapter 24, verse 15. And so the worship team can also join me on stage. But I want to. So, so we, we, we fast forwarding to the end of Joshua's life, to the end of the book. And we find that they took the land. Joshua was faithful to the word. 
He kept it in his mouth. He meditated upon a day and night. He obeyed it and he led all of Israel into obeying the word of God. So he was successful and all of Israel was successful. But now here at the end, as the generation is getting older and Joshua is about to hand things over, he speaks to all of Israel and he challenges them. He challenges them. He says, guys, you need to make up your mind. You need to decide, are you going to obey the Lord or not? Are you going to follow the Lord or not? You need to do it wholeheartedly. So let me give you some context. In every one of us, in our cultures, there are things that are not of God. All of us. We're from a white Afrikaner or English or Hausa or any other culture, we have challenges when it comes to obeying the word of God. Because there's a very good chance your mama is going to say, I do not agree with what you are doing. And you are desecrating all our forefathers through what you are obeying the word of God or whatever. You are doing this. What, what church are you at? You know. So in my culture, in our, our you know, in Afrikaans uh, church tradition culture, it's like the word of God says, you know, after you commit your life to Jesus, you need to be baptized in water. But now in the culture or church culture, it's like, no, but you were sprinkled as a baby. How dare you? Some would say you are spitting in the face of God. Honestly, that's what they say. <laughs> and now you have to decide, are you going to obey God's word, or you're going to follow the culture, because you need to choose. You need to choose. In every culture, there's this decision we need to make. There are things that are contrary to the word of God, and you and I need to decide, am I going to follow Jesus, or am I going to follow my family? Am I going to follow Jesus or my friend's opinions? So, so look at this. So Joshua says, and if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, because somebody might say, hey, it's evil what you are doing. You are now walking away from your culture. You are walking away from your ancestors. You are, you're offending them. They're turning around in their graves. Well, I have good news. There's someone who's risen from the dead. And he will bless you if you obey him. And follow him. But you need to make up your mind. So he says, if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Choose. Make a decision. Whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the river. Sometimes it's just a mixed religion. It's Christianity, but it's mixed with other stuff. Or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. So he challenged them. And as I said, every culture, we have this. So end of last year, worship team, you can join us. So end of last year, you know, about 10 years ago, I'm, I, I, I invested in some Selborne boys, um, some young people. And so the one um, young man who's now in his middle plus 20s, he contacted me. He's a business guy in Johannesburg. And he's saying it's, it's, he's waking up with tormenting dreams like demonic visitations. So I asked him a bit about it and him and his girlfriend, we're on a video call thing or you're chatting and I'm asking them about stuff. And then I asked him, okay, so I presume you went through initiation. I said, yes. And, and how was that? How did, what did you experience? He said, that was evil. It was evil. 
the stuff. I had visitations when I was initiated. I had stuff coming down with the blood, with the blood sacrifice and stuff. I had terrible experiences of fear and anxiety. And, and it feels like from that time, I am struggling to connect with God. I am struggling. And so I prayed with them and we broke those things off them. But he also had to make a decision. Follow Jesus. Follow my culture. And if the culture is contrary to the scriptures, you need to throw it out. Otherwise, you're going to have pain and torment and things that's going to mess up your life. Amen. And so Joshua is saying, guys, if everybody turns away from God, we will not. We're going to follow the Lord. So guys, dads, husbands, what kind of home, what kind of family are you going to be? Are you going to be a holy people, a holy family? Are you going to be a holy man, a holy woman of God? Are you, you need to decide these things. But me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Amen. Thank you for listening. Find more on Shofar East London's podcast channel. Let's do life together.